It is a sport as old as man itself. From the ancient Greeks to the British Empire, all the way to the Gracie family, men and women have partaken in this art of combat with the promise of honor and glory in mind. Now, WFUV Sports will bring you into that realm with in-depth analysis and opinions on the goings-on in the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. This is the WFUV Sports Pound for Pound podcast. And may the f- and may the 4th be with you all on this May 4th 2017 indeed it is the WFUV Sports Pound for Pound podcast. James Cargan alongside me as usually is the VOG himself Tom Trizuli and it's been quite the week in the fight realm. Uh Have you ever been have you ever seen 90,000 people in one place? Uh on TV or in in general? In person. In person no. Uh on TV I've seen it before but Still, it, it was uh, and uh, not the fact that it was just ninety thousand people because you see that at other events. Uh, you know, being wrestling fans, we've seen it at WrestleMania before. But uh, seeing it for a boxing match in twenty seventeen, considering the last five years that we've had in the sport, especially twenty sixteen, the resurgence of the sport to see ninety thousand people wherever it is watching a boxing match, it was really surreal and and it was a great night. And we'll get into it. And we will. And finally, after years and years of waiting, heavy, the heavyweight division in boxing is back. It's all on one man, Anthony Joshua. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. You had the Klitschko's that dominated for years and years and years, but they never were the next big heavyweight star because of the way they fought. But the Klitschko's, especially Vladimir, always a class act, and, and I wanted to mention that just even in this last fight, how much of a class act he was, but he was never that big star for the division. But if there was ever a night to make a star be born, it was that fight against Klitschko. Anthony Joshua, he's not only the face of the heavyweight division, he's the face of boxing now in my mind. I absolutely agree. I think that there is now no bigger star in the sport then AJ. First, I, I know you didn't watch the fight live. I didn't watch it live, but I uh, on the Sunday after. So, Did you see the ring walks? Yes, I watched. Actually, the version I watched, I heard the HBO version didn't have the they ring walks. They did not. I couldn't find the Showtime version, which was my preferred, as you know, I'm a big Showtime fan. But what I found was the Sky box office version, so I got the English television version of it. They had some great announcers, and you could imagine how excited they were about Joshua, but their broadcast included the ring walks, and we talked about WrestleMania. That took, I think, a little bit of a page out of the WWE's book. Yeah. <laughs> I think that those were the, t- the greatest ring walks in the history of boxing. Joshua's Bar alone. none. Yeah, you remember at Mania when the Rock, last year's Mania when the Rock got the flamethrower, right? And Joshua, I think, took a little bit of a page out of that book with the giant AJ, and then the flames coming up behind him. It was it was unbelievable, and it was in the middle of this sea of humanity. And I think boxing does sometimes doesn't do that that well in terms of like the showmanship. And that's part of it. We've seen how much the UFC has adopted things from wrestling and the showmanship side of it. You need that. And that was a big part of why this night was so memorable. 
of course, the fight and the action in the ring was unbelievable, but the atmosphere itself was so perfect, and I think that only added to how great of a night it was. I mean, there were no rappers coming out right? like uh, Lil Wayne once did with Floyd. There were no Bur- Floyd once in a while had some good stuff. There were no Burger, there were no Burger King mascots. <laughs> uh, there, were no, there was no Justin Bieber. It was really just the fighters, they, the fireworks, the flames. That just set up. The, that just set the the mood of the night. That just made it the that I think just made the whole night, uh, the as massive as it was. It set the tone for a a fight that delivered. Yeah, it would have been really hard to like follow a beginning like that with a dud of a fight because the atmosphere was just so electric. The ring walks were unbelievable. The the crowd was singing along to God Save the Queen. I don't know if they had that oh, in the yeah. Showtime yes, broadcast. Everything about it was just so great to see this passion for the sport of boxing, which we haven't seen in so long. And another point I'm sure we'll get into later, the British boxing fans, I love them. They're great. They're so into the sport. They love it, and they're passionate. It's great. They always enhance a fight when it, when a fight is overseas. Brits are, cra- Brits are crazy regardless of the sport that they watch. And that's why I love them. Whether it, I don't know whether it's because of the weather that they have there, whether it's because of what's in their blood, whether it's soccer, whether it's uh, snooker, <laughs> whether it's darts, boxing, mixed martial arts, pro wrestling, everything. Any event they have over there, it's it's great. And I, the sports of mixed martial arts and boxing could only benefit by having more events over there. Yes, it does. And now the fight itself uh, started off, I believe, in favor of Joshua. He used his jab very well in those opening three rounds. Mm-hmm. He was able to set things up. Vladimir, a uh, little bit tentative at first. Yeah. He didn't come out guns blazing mm-hmm. I think Joshua did a bit more but Vladimir's game plan was what shocked everyone yeah and he was trying to use his foot he he has unbelievable footwork for a guy his size Klitschko we've never seen it yeah it's it was it was it was really a great showing in terms of how he used his footwork I agree with you those first three rounds there wasn't a ton of action but Joshua was a little bit more active in those first three. So I believe I at least gave him the first two rounds. I don't remember my exact way that I scored the fight. But definitely Joshua dominated that early part. It wasn't even dominated. He won that early part. But like you said, Klitschko's game plan was something we hadn't seen before, and it was impressive for a guy his size. Klitschko was hopping around like he was uh, T.J. Dillashaw in the UFC. Yeah. I, you know, the HBO guys, Lampley... Talked about the referee, David Fields, from New Jersey, by the way. Shout out. And how he was going to be a big part of the action today. Uh, he's a guy that likes to let people hold on the inside. And they were st- and Kellerman saying how Joshua needs to dig the body every time Klitschko holds. Nobody saw what what eventually happened coming. What was amazing, it, this was the Klitschko that we were pining for his entire career. Where was this for 10 years? Exactly, exactly. David Fields wasn't at all really a part of that fight because Klitschko wasn't holding. Yeah, there were times when he was really in trouble and Joshua was laying into him that, yeah, he's going to hold. Any fighter's going to hold in that situation. But 
watching Klitschko fight for these past 10 years, it was a different guy in the ring. And if that was the last fight of his career or one of the last fights of his career, that's a great way to go out. Even if you're a loser, you went out with class and you went out putting on a show that people really enjoyed. And people are calling this the best fight in at least the last five years in the sport of boxing. And it's definitely up there for me, if not the best. The the and the, the real shocking part was the fifth round, the best round, maybe the round of the year in boxing. So far, for sure, in twenty six, it was over. Yeah, it was over. Anthony was celebrating like he had won because he knew that he know he knows Vladimir's history. Yeah, he in his four previous losses, he was knocked out three times. And also, you have to understand that, and they were saying this on the Sky Box Office broadcast, is that because he was dominant for so long, Klitschko, his jaw was never really tested for the majority of his time on top. We didn't know how he was going to react to being hit that hard and going to the ground. A lot of us didn't think he'd be able to get up if he was hit that hard because we had no sample size or we had a very small sample size. But what we got that night was completely unexpected. And Hats off to Klitschko again. Obviously, the night was about Joshua. He made himself the biggest star in the sport, but Klitschko really turned heads that night as well. When Klitschko got knocked out, oh, God, it was 2003. Yeah, we had not Corey seen Corey Sanders it. knocked him out in what at that point was seen to be his fall. And then he got knocked out by Brewster. He he hasn't been touched since. Exactly. So he here he is, forty one years old. He's facing the biggest puncher in the heavyweight division. He gets he he gets dropped to the canvas. It's over. You'd think it's over. And but not, not only is this the biggest puncher in the heavyweight division right now, this is the biggest puncher the heavyweight division has seen in years. In years. At least five to seven to ten years, we have not seen a guy as powerful as Anthony Joshua. And then he doesn't even hold while he's hurt. Mm-hmm. He goes right back at him. It was oh unbelievable. Oh my goodness! What a, what a tough what the toughness by Klitschko. That I still I for all the every, for everyone debating whether it's a ten eight or a ten nine round, it's still a ten eight round in my opinion. When you get knocked down, you lose a point. Yeah, I, I believe that. And I, although Klitschko came back at him, I didn't think he did enough to make it. You know that I, I still think he did enough, but, but he did enough. If in a in a fair world, he probably did enough. But but that's just how boxing is scored. You're going to have to change the way that boxing is scored. If you get knocked down, it's a ten eight round. That's just how it's always been, and you can't just change it. You know. And of course, we saw the uh, the flaw in the armor of Joshua, which was his stamina. He right. hadn't been, he had never been past the seventh. He he hadn't faced really top tier opponents. He's killed everyone, mm-hmm. and now here he is, expending his energy, punching himself out, going for a finish in the fifth. In the fifth, and he's out of gas. But then. In those middle rounds, after the fifth, he seemed to take a few rounds off in terms of his action, and that was where Klitschko started to creep back on the scorecards. 
But then, once he conserved all that energy after a few rounds, by the time you're getting close to the championship rounds, Joshua's back to full strength. And I think that was the difference in the fight. I don't think he even was back at full strength. He was when closer he knocked, to it. When he even, went, even in the 11th, when he knocked him out, he landed that uppercut. Once he landed that one shot, it was over. I'm surprised Klitschko's head stayed on his body after that uppercut. It was one of the most brutal shots I've seen in a really long time in boxing. And again, credit to Klitschko for staying up after that and then after eventually going down uh, and getting knocked down for, for the end of it. But I think that was the reason, though. Joshua had a couple of rounds where he wasn't at a high punch output and then eventually he was able to get at least some of his stamina back. I agree with you. When he tried to finish Klitschko in the fifth round, that was probably when he lost it, like, totally. But he got a little bit of it back, and that was, I think, the difference. I mean, it's more than just a stamp. I mean, well, also anybody on earth would have went for that knockout there. You got 90,000 people screaming their heads off, wanting the, wanting the knockout, begging for the knockout, you gotta go for you gotta go for broke for well, him. And we can always say from here, from Studio Three, that oh, he should have been smarter. He should have uh, he should have picked his shots more. Nobody in their right mind at that situation with those fans there would have done that. They would have all gone head hunting. And you're talking about the fifth round, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I, that's who he is as a fighter. That's how he's been to this point. He's knocked out every opponent he's faced professionally. It's ingrained in him to try to knock these guys out. So I, I don't, you can't just change your style like that as the microphone came off its stand a little bit there. Sorry if you heard that sound. But, yeah, you can't just change your strategy like that. So I, I agree. You can't just say, obviously you won the fight, so there's no hindsight anyway. But no. you can't just tell him to change his strategy. And that makes him more exciting anyway. He won more fans the way he fought. The stoppage in the 11th round by David Fields, was it premature? Uh, no, I don't think it was premature. When you take the uppercut that Klitschko did, he was out on his feet there, and it is a marvel to me that he stayed on his feet after that, and in the seconds following that uppercut, the fight could have even been stopped. I think it was perfect timing. It was a good stoppage by by your Jersey guy, David Fields. I thought it was I agree. The, H- the HBO guys did not agree. Uh, they thought it was a bit premature. I didn't. I thought, plus he was exhausted. He was he was out on his feet uh, after getting knocked down twice. I thought that you know once you're in the corner like that and you're yeah. just covering up, that's it. You're 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 not coming back from that. As a referee, the number one priority is to worry about the fighter safety. And like you said, when you're up against the ropes. You're not fighting back. All you're doing is hopelessly covering up and taking shot after shot to the head. You see that and want to continue the fight. It was it was a perfect stoppage. I didn't watch the HBO broadcast, so I don't know exactly what they said, but it was a great night. I thought it was a well-refereed fight by David Fields, so I don't know why. I don't agree with him. I think it was uh, it was the perfect time. And you could see on Klitschko's face. You could usually see on a fighter's face if they're ready to go. And it did not look like by the end Klitschko was engaged. He didn't look like he was there. So I think that was the the reason it was a good stoppage. Now, you want to talk about winning new fans? People now actually want to see Vladimir Klitschko fight again. That is a great point. When was the last time we heard that? Never. Then that brings up the question, where do we go after this? Is it a rematch with Klitschko? Is it a, a fight with Deontay Wilder? 
is the fight with Tyson Fury, who he called is out it? after the after uh, Joshua. One thing that he has, he being Joshua has now, is options. He now has legitimate big fight options. He can fight King Kong Ortiz. Mm-hmm. He can fight Joe Parker. He can fight Fury. He can fight Vlad again. There is no shortage. And and if Vlad, by the way, if he wants to fight, it's contractually a two-fight contract. Right. So if Vladimir doesn't hang it up and wants to take one more shot at it, he was, I mean, he was so close, he can. And the thing is, for Joshua, he can fight any of those guys. He has all those options, and the fans will be interested, regardless of who he fights. He's going to get a huge buy rate on pay-per-view, whoever he ends up fighting, because of his performance against Klitschko. For me... If you're going to obviously try to appeal to the British boxing fans, if you can get Fury to get his act together and have him fight Joshua, two British guys, and Fury being the nutcase that he is, that brings interest to a fight. I think a Fury-Joshua rematch could, again, bring the amount of interest— not rematch, a Fury-Joshua fight could bring that amount of uh, intrigue that the Klitschko fight did just because of Fury's another guy that beat Klitschko. Regard, they were in two different ways, obviously. Joshua, very entertaining, and it was sort of an awkward win for Fury. But you have those two guys that both beat Klitschko. The elements are there. I, I think that could be very intriguing, especially considering how much the British boxing fans are into it right now. This brings up the question about Deontay Wilder. Let's compare the two. I mean, obviously, Deontay, Deontay did not win an Olympic gold, and AJ did. LeBron's bomber is 38-0 with 37 knockouts. He is the world's champion, the WBC world's champion. He has fought six times for the title now. He has won all six. He has a built-in fan base in his hometown of Birmingham. Has I, I, I love Lou DiBella. Has he... Should we be? Should Deontay Wilder be a bigger star than he is? Um, I don't know. It's partly because of competition. There hasn't he been, hasn't even fought anybody. That's right, the problem. That's competition a lot of the time, and he hasn't been promoted. No offense to, to well, De- he, Lou he's been promoted, but you got to put him in the ring with big names, or else nobody's going to care. And that's exactly what the case is with uh, with Deontay Wilder. If he gets into a fight with Joshua and he wins, yeah, then he's the biggest star in the sport. Once you knock off the top guy, then you're the top guy. And Wilder, I'm not a huge fan of Deontay Wilder in the way that he fights. I think Joshua, at less fights professionally, is already more polished than Wilder is. There's a lot of things that I see from Wilder that I think he needs to clean up. I don't think he's as polished of a fighter as Joshua. That's just my opinion. But He's I, not. Yeah. He, he looked terrible against a very bad opponent. Right, and you look at his Gerald last fight, Washington. that's the exact reason why he's not a bigger star. You can't struggle against the Gerald Washingtons of the world and expect to be the biggest star in the sport. He hasn't even fought Ortiz yet, and it's... Ortiz is a guy he probably should fight first before he even should be considered for Joshua. Absolutely. I don't yeah. even know if he's ready. No. Uh, he... he should at least fight Joe Ortiz he should at least try to beat Joe Parker and align the two belts, the WBC and the WBO belt. But you're right. I didn't even 
I'm skeptical as to whether the Bronze Bomber is ready for a guy like who's as skilled and powerful as Joshua. Right. And, Joshua's a finished product. And that's amazing to say, considering how young Joshua is and how early into his uh, professional career he is. But just the fact that we're having this conversation about the heavyweight division is great. And Joshua and Klitschko, what they did last Saturday night has caused so much intrigue, so much talk about the sport that we haven't seen in so, in so long. And you can have so many of these smaller guys who are great fighters, and boxing in recent years has had that. It's the smaller guys, and nothing against the smaller guys. They're, they're great to watch. Boxing lives, more than mixed martial arts, lives and dies on the heavyweight division. It's just a fact. It gets people seeing these massive guys, the hardest punchers, going up against each other. There's something intriguing about it. There's a brutal intrigue to it. And as heavyweight division goes, that's how boxing goes. And boxing's in a good place right now. Absolutely. And on next week's show, we'll talk about the UFC heavyweight championship of the world. That will be on the line in Dallas. Stipe Miocic and Shigano uh, Dos Santos. But now we will move from the heavyweight division to the Canelo weight division. Right. Because speaking of smaller guys, <laughs> speaking of big guys, <laughs> one one bigger than the oh, other. Oh gosh, Canelo! Amazingly, for the first time, will fight somebody at or beyond his own size. Mm-hmm. For the first time in his career, almost out of nowhere, really. Well. Oscar De La Hoya saw this as a minimal, as minimal risk fight it could be for someone that's bigger than Canelo. Because let's be honest here, Julio Cesar Chavez is not that good of a fighter. I know no. you're very high on him. Or no, you think, I'm not high uh, on him. You told me off the air a couple days ago. We'll get to. Yeah, we'll get into that. I know you're high on him in this fight, but the fact is, is he's not that good. So Oscar De La Hoya saw, let's put these two recognizable Mexican fighters, Cinco de Mayo weekend. This is a chance for us to make some big money and for Canelo to, to escape here with uh, an easy enough victory. That's that's probably what De La Hoya was thinking. You know, he's a minimal risk. Yeah, he's bigger, and that's going to be his only advantage, but he's not that good, Cesar Chavez. So, you know. He was good at a time. At, right now, in recent fights, he's not when that good. When he was the champion, when he was the middleweight champion, he had a good run. He did. Yeah, he, he when he knocked down Andy Lee, that was a legitimately an excellent performance against uh, at the time an excellent fighter. He was good until he lost to I believe it was Martinez. Yeah, he had his run. He's past his prime now. At, at this stage of his career, he is not that standout fighter that he was. And even when he was on top, it wasn't like he was blowing the roof off the place. He's going up against Canelo Alvarez, you know, top five at the least guy in the sport. So this is, we expect, to be a showcase for Canelo if he could outspeed the bigger guy. The only way that Cesar Chavez is winning this fight is if he uses his size. It's the only way. Now I'm going to say, with all that being said, with the fact that we all know that Chavez at very at times... Especially lately, he can be a la- he can be lazy. Mm-hmm. He can he comes in out of shape. He comes in overweight. 
It happens all the time with him. I remember the fight where he beat Marcos Reyes. It was brutal. It was horrendous. It was one of the worst fights, one of the worst efforts that I've ever seen in my life. It was a really a black mark on boxing. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think Canelo can possibly be in some trouble. Tell me why. Because he is going to be at a... Well, it depends. It, I, I am so anticipating this weigh-in. First of all, it's known now that Chavez has to pay Canelo a million dollars for each pound that he misses weight by, which is a genius negotiating by Golden Boy. It's surprising that Chavez accepted that. It's genius. I mean, what is, what's he going to say? Oh, I, no, I'm planning on missing weight? Well, what's he supposed to say? <laughs> it's It's going to be strategic, like... If you're Chavez going into the weigh-in, I wonder what's going through your mind. Do you you know that your size is the only advantage you have? So do I have enough money to throw away where I come in a couple pounds overweight? No, I mean, you don't know. I, I mean, even if he comes in the right weight and he makes weight, he's still a much bigger guy than Canelo is. You know, he's going to be able to use his reach against him, or at least he's going to try to be able to use his reach against him. And that's the thing. If he is in as good a shape as he can be in, and if he makes the weight and ha- doesn't have a problem with the weight, when he rehydrates, he could have a big advantage on the unofficial weight, on the unofficial scale. He can use that to his advantage. We've seen Canelo knock out. Who? Let's go through the list of who Canelo has knocked out recently. He's knocked out James Kirkland. Not really. He was a, what was that? I believe that was a 154-pound fight. He did knock out Miguel Cotto at 155. He knocked out Amir Khan, a welterweight. He knocked out Liam Smith, a junior, uh, a super welterweight. Now he's facing a borderline light heavyweight. We haven't, we know he's powerful, but does it translate? We don't know. And a comparison that has been made to this fight was the Manny Pacquiao-Oscar De La Hoya fight because Pacquiao was the smaller guy. De La Hoya came down a lot in weight. Pacquiao moved up a little bit in weight. These were two guys that were pretty far away on opposite sides of the spectrum when it came to where their weight was at. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit different. Because Manny Pacquiao, that's different. Well, it's a, I think it's a fair comparison, though. When- Pacquiao is a different fighter than Canelo, and De La Hoya was also on the tail end of his career. But you could also say Chavez is on the end of his career. I think, similarly to what happened with Pacquiao and De La Hoya, they talked about how much De La Hoya's uh, size advantage was going to play into the fight, and it turned out Pacquiao used his speed, used his quickness. He was too good of a fighter, and he wiped the floor with Oscar De La Hoya. So I don't think it's going to translate that much. I'm not worried about it. Forget De La Hoya. Look at the Margarito fight. Yeah, that that too. I mean, let's. I don't. I don't. I don't like that comparison because Matt Canelo is not in the same breath as Manny Pacquiao when it comes to skill. Oh, he's not even close in terms of speed, especially in how fast his hands are. But you put the hand speed of Canelo next to the hand speed of Cesar Chavez. Canelo looks like Pacquiao in terms of how fast his hands are. That's <sighs> one of the worst aspects of Cesar Chavez is his hand speed. 
So I think that's going to be the difference. If he's motivated, though, I think he can pose a skill. Some He can be a little bit skilled. Does he beat him? No. God, no. Well, I don't think he beats him either, but where where do you see it going? If Cesar Chavez remember, has a perfect night, where do you see it going? Remember, Canelo lost two rounds to Amir Khan. Mm-hmm. He lost the first two rounds out of the five full rounds that they had. It was not a—when he knocked him out in the sixth, it was 3-2. It was 3-2, and it's not like Khan faded completely. Canelo probably would have gone all the way, but Khan was there. Yeah, and it was Khan's— And he was a welterweight. Yeah, and it was Khan's jaw that did him in in the end. But, yeah, I I understand the point that you're making, but I'll even go as far to say— that Amir Khan has a higher skill level in the ring than Cesar Chavez. Oh, probably. That's my point. Fastest hands in the sport. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. This is not Amir Khan. I get what you're trying to make the the weight comparison and that Amir Khan is the biggest guy that he's fought up until now or in recent fights. Again, you have to go down to skill level. I can only rely so much on size. I think the skill levels are two different levels in terms of where Canelo is and where Cesar Chavez is. Khan was a little bit closer to Canelo at that time, and that's why that, that I still don't see that difference. Like I said, answer this question. If it was a perfect night for Cesar Chavez, how does this fight end? Now, this this is what I we, I was about to get to, full, complete predictions. Okay. Do you think he knocks him out? I think Canelo will knock him out, yes. In what round? Let's give it. I'll agree with you in that the size will play a little bit of a factor, but I don't think it'll stop him from knocking out, knocking him out. So let's give him a seven-round knockout. Do you think that Chavez will win a round? Chavez will win a round, yes. I think he'll win one or two rounds. I think that Chavez will go... If he doesn't go the distance, I think he has the potential to maybe reach... Unless he comes in really... Out of shape, or he there's a potential that he could be drained, that he really has the tough weight cut, that he's really doesn't want to pay this money, and that he really comes in drained. And if that happens, he's cooked. He has to be in the shape of his life to reach a to reach 164 and a half pounds and b to compete with the guy. Does he get knocked out? Probably. I wouldn't put him past going the distance. If it goes the distance, I believe that he will win three to four rounds. Okay. I think it will either be 117 to 111 or 116 to 112. This is in a perfect world. This is in a world where we open our eyes and say, huh, there's the Sejar, there's the JCC Jr. that we've been looking for, kind of like Klitschko. Right. There's the guy we've been looking for. That is the best case scenario well, for Chavez. I'm not in, overall, worst case he gets knocked out within 3. Overall, I'm not that excited for this fight this weekend. I don't think it's that great of a matchup to begin with, but what is very important is I think it's very important for Canelo to look as good as he possibly can because we saw with Golovkin and the Jacobs fight the way he fought against Jacobs, I think that hurt his value a little bit. And then if you have both of these guys coming off 
not-so-great performances and they go on to face each other, sure, it's going to still be a mega matchup, but that might hurt their value a little bit, and that might hurt what they talk about at the negotiating table. Because right now, and Delahoya has said it, that they're definitely the A-side now after that performance that Triple G had against Danny Jacobs. What happens now if Canelo doesn't have a great performance against Cesar Chavez? It'll be the same thing. Who's the A-side? Canelo has not, well, let's get this out of the way. Canelo has not fought anybody like Danny Jacobs. Canelo right. has fought smaller guys. Chavez said in the face-off with Max Kellerman, he's fought smaller guys. Golovkin stepped up and fought a top three Top two, a top three middleweight in the world. Mm-hmm. So he wins a close decision. What are we? Are we are lamenting his performance? No, I'm saying that's what De La Hoya and Golden Boy said, and I'm saying their argument is null and void if Canelo isn't going to go out and be dominant against Cesar Chavez. I think Danny Jacobs is a great fighter. I'm a huge Danny Jacobs fan, and I don't think it's a fair comparison because Jacobs is a much better fighter than Cesar Chavez. However, I think that changes the entire dynamic of the negotiations going forward because we all just want to see these two guys get in the ring with each other after this. We don't want to see any more fights in the interim of them fighting other people. Ultimately, it will happen as long as Canelo takes care of business this weekend. If he does so, then in September, hopefully not in Las Vegas. I don't know. Screw Las Vegas. That's it's the fight town, you know. That's that's. Uh, it'll be town. there, but whatever. But regardless, it'll happen, and we'll all be happy. So, by the way, I want to get this out of the way. ESPN. Every day I see a McGregor Mayweather tweet mm. on ESPN. That's all the mainstream cares about. That's that's all there. You want to know why ESPN is dying? And why it has to resort to firing a hundred well-respected employees, and look at where they want to go. Just look at just look at that, and how they're covering Mayweather McGregor versus all the rest of what's going on in the sport. The hope, I think that's all you need to see. The hope is is that Joshua now being the face of the sport and Joshua's the heavyweights, not American though. That's the problem. I mean, that is a problem. That is an issue. But there's still a ton of intrigue, and I hope that that'll at least die down the hype for the McGregor-Mayweather. It, it really is. There are—I had—before we end the show, I wanted to, to get, get this in. There—the feeling that I had after watching uh, Joshua and Klitschko was a feeling that I had not had watching a combat sports event since I watched UFC 205. It was a feeling of— Everything in one night going perfectly well. The atmosphere, the crowd, the fight itself, the guy who won. It was a feeling of everything going right. And that doesn't happen very often in either of the two sports. So you can only hope that anyone that saw that fight will give boxing another chance. And boxing, the only topic that we'll hear about is a retired boxer who wasn't that exciting to begin with fighting an MMA fighter so let's hope we had our magical (laughs) night we had the first magical night for the sport in a long time and uh, let's hope that builds off of it and there will be more to come and with that that will do it for us here today Uh, once again may the 4th be with you enjoy the fights this weekend Uh, for the voice of God Tom Trezuli I am James Cargan we'll see you next week to recap Canelo Chavez 
probably won't be too much of a surprise. We will be talking, most likely we'll be talking about a Canelo victory. Hey, it'll be exciting if he proves us wrong. And, oh God, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> I don't know. Oh God, and we'll... Don't want to hurt our credibility anymore. And we'll talk about uh, UFC in Dallas with Stipe Miocic, Junior Dos Santos, and Joanna, and all the great fighters that are coming on there. Until then, have a good day, everybody.